have you here today. And uh, I saw, I'm sorry if I feel, if I'm appearing to be a little out of sorts. I, apparently I am. I don't even know. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. We're starting a new series today uh, that we're calling Big Risk. And we're going to be, uh, it's kind of a, a shorter series than normal. We're going to be in it the next three weeks because we've got some baby dedications coming up in about a month. We've got Father's Day coming up, and so we're going to do some special things on those days. So this series is going to take us into those. And by the way, if you have a child that hasn't been dedicated that you would like to have dedicated, uh, give me a shout, and uh, let's get together and plan that. And I'll give you the specific date that we're looking at doing that. Uh, but we're uh, beginning this series today. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can be turning to the Old Testament book of Psalm, Psalm 139. For those of you that were here last week on Mother's Day, uh, you'll know that uh, we ended up uh, at the end of that message in Psalm 139. And so I just want to kind of continue uh, from there today as we begin this series. I've, I've really been looking forward to this series because I believe that if you and I will open ourselves up to God and allow him to speak into our lives, what he wants to speak into our lives, uh, that we're going to be willing to take some risk uh, after each week of this three-week series that we might not have ever considered taking before in our walk, in our relationship with Jesus. And I'm talking about some big risk. And so I'm glad you're here because that's going to be our, our challenge today. And so what we're going to do over these next few weeks is each week we're going to be challenged to start praying a new prayer. All right, we're going to be introduced to a new prayer, uh, three new prayers over the next three weeks that uh, we want to add to our prayer life. And I want to warn you that these are not going to be easy prayers. Uh, they're not uh, safe prayers. They're going to be risky prayers, and it's going to be a challenge, and it's going to take some courage on your part to start adding these prayers to your prayer life because honestly, and I've shared this with you before, uh, most of the time the prayers that we pray are, are so safe, right? They're so simple and, and so safe. Uh, just think about our prayers. God bless us. Safe prayer, right? I mean, that's a pretty safe one. We pray, God help us. Safe prayer. God protect us. You know, safe prayer, simple. It's the, the simple, safe prayers that we pray all the time. So what I want us to do over these next few weeks is I want to I wanna add, some, uh, I wanna add some, some risk to our, our prayer lives and introduce you to some prayers uh, over these next few weeks to arm ourselves with some prayers that aren't safe. And I'm just going to tell you up front, if you're willing to pray these prayers, if you are willing uh, to, to do that, you're going to be asking God to do something in your life that's going to take you out of your comfort zone right? And that's often a place we don't like to be. We don't like to be outside our comfort zone. That's why we like air conditioning and padded chairs and all that. We like to be comfortable, right? And so I'm just going to warn you up front, as you commit to pray these new prayers, God's going to take that and he's going to get you out of your comfort zone. So I warned you up front, right? These could be some life-changing weeks uh, ahead. So today we're going to be looking at uh, a prayer that David prayed uh, his enemies were on the attack. Uh, they were saying uh, bad things about him. They were speaking bad things to him. They were talking about his motives and how uh, he had ulterior motives for the things that he was doing. And he was just getting slammed by 
people in general, talking bad about him and, and, and running him down. And so, you know, instead of defending himself, which is our nature, right? Our nature is when somebody's talking bad about us or accusing us or doing something like that. My, my first response is, and, and I've said this for years and years and years, and I probably should change it now that I'm a pastor for 20 years. But I always say, deny, lie, and counter-accuse. You know, when, when you're being accused of something or someone's talking bad about you, always deny, lie, and counter-accuse. Well, that's not good advice, all right? Uh, but that's our tendency, is it not? I mean, to defend ourselves. We bristle up when somebody says something about us. We want to defend ourselves and our honor and all of that. And so that's what's going on in David's, play, David's life. But instead of defending himself, instead of denying the allegations and, and, and you know, counter-accusing, we see David uh, do something that, that we probably don't typically want to do or, or do. We see David pray this first risky prayer to God, and he asked God to search his own heart, right? Not to search their hearts, not to search the hearts of those who are talking bad about him and accusing him and, and, and doing all this. He's not saying, God, search their heart. God, convict them. David goes to prayer, and David says, you know, God, search my heart. Right? And so look at this prayer that he prayed, starting at verse 23 of Psalm 139. Uh, we're going to be looking at verse 23 and 24 this morning. Big risk, okay? And, and he prayed this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, many of you have heard that passage of Scripture, maybe most or all of your life. It's familiar to you, but I'm going to tell you, if you will incorporate this prayer into your own life, this is a very risky prayer. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take just these two simple verses of Scripture that many of us uh, have heard and known all of our life. And I want to break it down into four parts this morning. And then I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. Matter of fact, before we leave, I'm going to double dog dare you to add this prayer into your prayer life. The first thing that David prays is this. Search my heart. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And some of you may be thinking, well, why did David say, God, search my heart? Why, why didn't he say, God, search my mind? God, search my closets. God, search my text messages. You know, God, search my whatever it is. Why did, why did David pray specifically, God, search my heart? Well, it's because David would have been very familiar with the scriptures, and he would have known what God's word in the Old Testament uh, and, and the writings that he had available to him said about the heart. You know, let's just look at, at, at one thing the Bible says. The prophet Jeremiah said in, in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, he says this. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and it's desperately wicked. And then he says, who really knows how bad it is? Who even knows how bad our deceitful hearts are? And so we need to understand this morning, along with, with David, I believe he understood this. You know, we need to understand that without Jesus, our heart is not a good heart. Our nature is not to be good. We deceive others. We, we deceive ourselves, right? 
We lie. The fact is, is that the biggest lie that you tell, you tell to yourself. And, and we, we lie to ourselves because the heart is deceitful and we don't even know how bad we are. We tell ourselves often, you know, well, you know what? I, I don't need a lot. I, I, don't, I don't demand a lot. I, I don't need a lot. I don't need that much. But every week we show up to our house and there's another Amazon Prime box sitting on the front porch, right? So we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves that we're not full of pride, right? We're not full of pride. We can't help it if we're better than everybody else. God just made us better, all right? We can't help it. We're not full of pride. We're not prideful people. We're, we're not a gossip. We don't gossip about people, do we? We don't gossip. We just share with other people the bad things that we know about other people so they'll know how to pray for them, right? It's called the prayer chain or the gossip line. But we don't, we don't gossip. You see, the heart is deceitful. And, and so we need a really risky prayer where we go to our Father, we go to our loving Father, we go to God and say, God, search my heart. Show me what's in there. Because you say that there's deceit. You say that there's bad. And so search my heart, uh, oh God. And, and don't miss this. When you pray, search my heart, that, that's a pretty risky prayer right there. Because when you ask God to search your heart, you know what he's going to do? Search your heart. When you ask God to search your heart, he's going to show you things in your heart that aren't pure. Okay? And it's, it's not to be cruel. He's not doing it to be mean to us. He's not doing it because, you know, he's a bad guy or, or he wants to treat us bad. But what he, the reason that he wants to point these things out in our heart is because he wants us to be in a closer relationship with him. He, he wants us to be closer to him. And the reason he wants us to be closer to him is so that we may look more like him. And so that he can change us and shape us. His word says that he is shaping us and molding us and making us into his image. And this is why he wants to take those things that shouldn't be in there and take them out. Because that's not his image. Right? And it's a risky prayer and we need to understand that. But we also need to understand that this is a prayer. If we will pray, God, search my heart, it's a prayer that will change you. Right? It's a prayer that will transform you and bring you closer to God. So David prays, search my heart. And then he goes on to basically pray, pray this. Show me my fears. All right? Reveal my fears. He says there in verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, he calls these. So what is it that makes you anxious? All right, because a lot of times we don't even acknowledge the things that makes us anxious. Because some of us think, you know what, if I'm not worrying about this, then who's going to? Right? And, and I think I made a terrible um, mistake this morning in saying that this was a sermon that my wife needed to listen to <laughs> in early service. And she's here in this service, so I'm not going to say that in this service. But... But it, it's kind of funny at our house, and we know we're this way, and that's what makes it so cool, because Lynette will worry about things that she has absolutely no control over, you know, like global warming. I mean, who cares? She, she, worries, she worries about everything, and so you know what? I don't have to. 
and it drives her absolutely up the wall that I'll be like, she'll be like, well, you know, what, what about this and this and this? And I'll be like, I don't care, don't know, don't want to know, you know, not a big deal. You're what, you worry about it. You got it covered, babe. You worry about it. But anyway, well, you know, what is it that makes us uh, anxious? What is it, you know, because a lot of times maybe we don't even, you know, focus on, on what that is. And, and so, or, or maybe what is it that makes you afraid? What, what is it that you're fearful of? And I'm not talking about spiders and snakes, okay? We all know some of you will hurt somebody real bad over a spider. It's the craziest thing. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I've got a niece, and I won't call her by name, and I won't even look at her right now, but she's terrified of birds. She will hurt herself and everybody around her if a bird gets close. But I, it's not talking about those kinds of, uh, of fears, right? Even though I'm, I'm terribly afraid of heights. Uh, some of you know we got a few days to go on vacation this past week. Uh, Hayden graduated from college, and so we just kind of wanted to get away for a few days. And so we went to Chicago because it's great place to eat and uh so we were there and they they wanted to go we were doing all the touristy stuff you know seeing all the attractions and they said you know want to go to the willis building i'm like i don't know what the willis building is i care less about the willis building. come to find out it's what the sears tower some of you more familiar with the sears tower and it'd been bought out and renamed and that's just dumb to me so we went to the sears tower but anyway we go in the elevator all the way up we're 100 and something stories high we get off the elevator and they begin to tell us that there's a section of this they've added to the sears tower that has a glass floor in it that actually goes out past the building extends past the building you can walk out on that and you can look down 100 and some odd floors you know, and we get off the elevator, and I'm sitting there thinking, why would anybody want to do that? And, and we get off, we're walking around, I look, and Lynette and Hayden are standing in a line to go do this. And I'm like, are you kidding? I couldn't even get, I couldn't even get within 20 feet of this, this thing, right? And, and I told them later after we got down out of that building and the, the guys were through giving me CPR and all that. And, and I, I said, you know, I, I don't think that, I, I think I figured out I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling from those heights, you know? I, I don't think it's a fear of just being that high. It's a fear that I, I'm going to come down and meet the ground at some point in time. But, but anyway, th these aren't the kinds of fears that David's talking about. Uh, he, he's talking about, uh, you know, these internal things that we deal with, these things that keep us up uh, awake at night, the things that, that disturb us, the things in our hearts that make us anxious, make us afraid. Maybe for some of you here, it looks like this. Uh, you're in a job that you're really not uh, really sure that it's going to continue, or maybe you know, you, you're, you're not certain of what the future holds for you in your occupation, and so you're anxious about that. Maybe you have some fear, some anxiety, some stress uh, about your job. Maybe it's, uh, it's being afraid of when it comes time to retire, not having enough to retire. You know, I know the closer that I I get to that age. It's something that we consider and think about a lot. Can I actually retire when it's time for me to retire? That creates some anxious thoughts, some worries, maybe some stress and anxiety. Maybe it's the fear of being stuck in a marriage that, that you just, you know, you can't even see it getting any better or, or going anywhere. You know, I, I don't know what it is for you, but, but so, so why would we pray, God, show me my anxious thoughts. God, pinpoint that. God, show it to me. Reveal to me exactly 
exactly what it is that makes me worried, that makes me anxious, and makes me stressed. Why would we pray for God to do that? Well, I believe that it's because we are, what we are most anxious about reveals where we trust God the least. All right? What we, uh, the things that we fear the most, the things that we worry about the most, the things that we are the most anxious about are the things that we are trusting God the least with, all right? And and so if you're scared to death that your marriage isn't going to work, maybe it's because you're not trusting God with your marriage, You're not trusting him to do a work in your marriage. You're not trusting him to make your marriage the kind of marriage that it's going to be. And so you've got all this anxiety, stress, and worry about your marriage because you're not trusting God to make it the kind of marriage that he intended for it to be. Maybe you're afraid that you're not going to be able to pay the bills. Well, then you're not trusting God to be your provider if that's your worries and that's your concerns. Maybe you're afraid that your kids are going to get on the wrong track or they're going to make some wrong decisions. Today, we've got a bunch from our church that are graduating high school. Been there, done that, right? You, you don't even, you're, you're, you're terrified of what they're going to do next, right? Ours both said they were going to Fayetteville and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to be on Dixon Street every night and their mother's not going to be there to take the beer out of their hand. And you know, it's just, I, you know, you just picture all these things and the party school, oh my goodness, they're going to UCA, all they do, all, you know, and you just, you're freaking out. I'm making it worse right now, aren't I? For those of you that got kids that are graduating, but it's real, is it not? I mean, it's a real struggle. And so, you know, if we're worrying and we're anxious and we're stressed about that in our kids' lives, maybe we're not trusting God enough in our kids' lives. Maybe we're not trusting God enough in what we planted, the seeds that we've planted in our kids' lives, that they may grow to be even more beautiful than they ever would have by going off to college or whatever it may be. But we worry and stress about things that we don't trust God to handle for us uh, most often. And and I've shared this before, but it's something that I constantly have to guard against in my own life. And and it's a struggle that I I give it to God, and then I end up back with it, and I look at God, and I'm like, God, I gave you this. And he's like, yeah, but you keep taking it back, you idiot. You know, just leave it here. But I struggle with it. And some of you have things in your life like that, too. Uh, but I, I've shared with you before that I've always struggled with the, this fear of, uh, of failing, uh, of being a failure, not being uh, successful. And it's really not, as I've kind of narrowed it down and figured out you know, what it is, it's really not a fear of failing as much as it is a fear of letting people down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this, this fear of not being able to do enough or not able to, to give enough. But God has showed me, you know what, if you quit, quit being anxious about that and just trust me with it, all right? Quit worrying about if you're making everybody happy. Quit worrying about if everybody's satisfied. Quit worrying about if you visited everybody that needed to be visited. Do the best that you can do and then trust me with the rest. And so when I start feeling anxious and I start feeling stressed, like I'm not adequate or I can't do, I haven't done enough, or I've let someone down because I couldn't be there for them, I just have to give that to God because I'm not God and I can't do all things and he can. And so we do what we can, let him trust him with the rest. And that's something that I've had to struggle with uh, in my own life because in the church, in my role as pastor, I can't allow myself to be driven by anxious thoughts. 
I can't allow myself to be driven by stress. I can't allow myself to be driven by worry. I have to allow myself to be driven by faith, right? Because without faith, God says it's impossible to please him. So if I'm letting worry, stress, and anxiety drive my life, then where's my faith, right? And so we've got to have faith to please our Father. And, and I have to want to please him more. I have to want to please my Father more than I do being anxious or worrying about what I can't do or I, I can't get done. So I had to let him show me my anxious thoughts. And once he identifies those, once I identified them in my life, then I can trust him with them. And so I want to encourage you to start praying this prayer. Again, I dare you to pray it because I'm going to tell you what it'll do. It will set you free. All right? It will set you free from some of the worry. It will set you free from some stress, some anxiety, some anxious thoughts when we let God do what he wants to do in our hearts. Because when you are asking God to search your heart and show you your anxious thoughts, what you're doing is, is you're getting, getting to the root of your everyday struggles that you have. All right? That's exactly what's taking place. But it's a risky prayer. Because when we pray it, God's going to reveal some things to you about yourself that you may not have been willing to acknowledge in the past. Okay? So be ready. Search my heart. And show me my fears. Third thing. This is even getting more difficult as we go, folks. Show me my sins. Show me my sins. Search my heart and uncover my sin. This is what David prays, right? In the midst of his enemies attacking, people running down, talking bad about him. David's saying, search my heart. Show me my anxious thoughts. And then he goes on to pray this part of the prayer in verse 24 and point out anything in me that offends you. All right? God, search my heart and show me anything in my life that is inconsistent with your word. Pray that. Pray, God, show me anything in my life that doesn't line up with your truth, with what you say in the Bible. Show me what is in my heart that is not true according to your word. Show me anything in my life that doesn't please you. Show me anything in my life that doesn't bring you glory and you honor because I understand that you created me for that very purpose, on purpose, with a purpose, right? We talked about it last week to glorify him, to worship him, to serve him. So God, remove anything from my life that prevents me from doing that. You got the guts to pray that? <laughs> David's, David's kind of uh, stirring it here, isn't he? This one's so difficult, so difficult to do. And here's why it's difficult to do, because we're really good at pointing out everybody else's faults, Right? I, we're, we're real good at being able to tell you what's wrong with everybody else and point out their sin, point out where they fail, point out what they're doing wrong, right? It's not so easy to do that when we look in the mirror. I, I can point out the faults of everyone in my family. And believe me, my family will go, yeah, and he's good at it. Yeah, I can point out the faults of everybody else in my family because I'm perfect. 
We have a tendency to overlook our own faults, don't we? I can point out the faults of everybody driving down the interstate. I don't even know them. I just know they're dumb because they're in the left-hand lane. You know? My boy said, you really need to get off that thing. Well, it's a struggle. The struggle is real. And I get texts from y'all all the time. Well, I'm driving to Little Rock, and I'd be like, well, stop texting. <laughs> you know? But you know what? I can gripe and honk and complain about what they're doing because I'm perfect, right? And where I need to be is so much more important than where they need to be because I've got somebody in my church that's having an ingrown toenail removed, and I need to go pray for them, and I've got to be there at a certain time. And they're probably just going to work, you know? Listen, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things, and the most common lies that we tell are the ones that we tell ourselves. And so that's why it's going to take you some tremendous courage to pray, search my heart, God, test me, show me my anxious thoughts, see if there is anything in me that is offensive, that offends you. And I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that this can be one of the biggest game-changing prayers that you ever pray. When you give God permission to point out anything that is dwelling in your heart that shouldn't be there. And I want to give you three questions real quick that I think will be helpful for you to ask as you begin this process uh, while you're praying for God to show you your, your sins. First question to ask is this. What have other people been trying to tell me? What are others trying to tell me? In other words, if you have people that you love, that love you, that care about you, and they say, you know, I think you may have a problem with this. I think you may have a problem in this area. I think, you may be, uh, I think you may be getting on a path that you don't need to be going down. I think maybe this person that you're dating is probably not the best person for you to have in your life at this time. If you're hearing those things from people that love you and care about you, and especially if you're hearing it from more than one, two, three, or four people, right? This might be something that you want to pay attention to, all right? Pay attention to what others are telling you. The second question is this, what have I rationalized, okay? What have I been rationalizing in my life to justify what I'm doing? Am I justifying behavior that shouldn't be there? In other words, yeah, you know what? This may not be right, but it's really not a big deal, you know? And so we just kind of justify it. Because this is how I deal with things. This is how I, I cope with things. This is how I cope uh, with life. You know, and, and honestly, it's nobody else's business what I do. And it's not hurt, hurting anybody else. And, and so we have to ask ourselves, what are we justifying? What are we rationalizing? And then the third one is this. What do I get most defensive about? What is it that someone speaks to you that bristles you up? that you immediately get defensive about? Where do you say, you know what, we're not going there. We're not talking about that. 
right? Not going not gonna to talk about that, or, or, or we'll be quick to say, don't judge me, right? How quick are we to say that? Because the Bible says it, right? Don't judge me lest you be judged, right? If, if you go there real quick, probably whatever that person is speaking into your life right there in that moment is probably something you need to hear if you immediately got defensive about it. So we need to be paying attention to where we're most defensive. And here's the deal. When you get to the point that you can pray this prayer and you have the courage to pray this prayer, God's going to point some things out. He's going to point some things out and he'll point out some things that maybe you've been denying, maybe some things that you've been justifying is okay for a very long time. And he's going to put his finger on that and he's going to go, you know what, you've justified it and you've rationalized that, but that doesn't need to be there. This doesn't line up with me. This doesn't line up with, with my image. And so, you know, th this doesn't line up with the truth. And listen, don't deny the truth. Denying the truth does not make it true, okay? It doesn't make it true just because you've denied it. And here's what's awesome about this. You know, there's, there's different types of confession uh, that the Bible speaks to. Uh, the, the confession to God, when we confess our sins for God, to, to God, His Word tells us that He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we confess these things to God for forgiveness. But we also sometimes need to confess to people for healing. Right? We confess to God for forgiveness, but sometimes we need to confess some of these things to people so that we can have healing in our life. And this is what I love about small groups and Bible studies and prayer groups and group of Christians that get together. Because what they'll do is, is they'll share these things with one another, right? He, you know what? Here's what I'm struggling with. Could you be praying with me about this? Here's what, here's what I've got to deal with this week. Would you pray specifically on Tuesday, you know, at nine o'clock before I go into this meeting that I won't slap my boss right up beside his head. You know, you can't, you know, could you help me? Can you hold me accountable? This is an area of my life that that's what our staff is praying. I'm sure that they don't slap their boss right up beside his head. But, uh, you know, someone that, uh, you know, here's an area of my life that I'm really struggling with. Could you maybe help hold me accountable and make sure that I don't slip back into this, that I don't fall back into this, that I don't text that crazy guy again or text that crazy girl again? Could you just, you know, hold me accountable uh, of whatever it is? And so that's what I love about the community of believers and what we can be and what we can do uh, for one another. It's an important, uh, important part of our Christian faith. We talk a lot around here about being on a journey with Jesus, right? Being on a walk with Jesus, and we don't make that walk alone. We're on the journey with many other people uh, that are there, and that is important so that we can encourage one another. We can uh, pray with one another. We can hold each other accountable, and that brings healing when we have people in our lives uh, that will help us with that because here's the deal. Uh, none of us are perfect. We talk about it a lot here at this church. If you're visiting with us today and you came in and you're perfect, we're glad you're here, but you probably should really find another church uh, because this group of people are messed up bad, right? I know a lot of them. They call me. They text me. I know they got issues, major issues, and right now they look real pretty and smell good to you, but they're not. They're stinky on the inside. Um, but none of us are perfect, really. The, the church is a place, though. I want you to think about it. 
The church is a place where imperfect people are being changed. That's what this prayer will do. It's saying, God, I know your desire is to change me and transform me and make me into who you want me to be. And so what the church has got to be is a place where imperfect people come together to be transformed and changed by a perfect God. And that's, that's what this is all about, about. And so we pray, God, search my heart. Search my heart. Show me my fears. Show me my sins. And then that will point us to our need for Jesus when he does that. Because we realize, you know, I know it's there and I can't do anything about it without his help. Hello, grace. <laughs> it reveals that our identity must be in him and not what other people think about us. Yeah, they may have seen us at our worst yesterday. But you know what? Today, God can make me at my best. And, and so, you know, they don't, they, they don't see our identity in, our, in ourselves, but our identity is in Christ. And, and this prayer will always point us to a place where G, we learn to depend on Jesus uh, in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and, and there's something that you're addicted to. And you're addicted and you just haven't admitted it. You've justified it, you've made excuses, you've rationalized it, but you're addicted. And listen, you need God's power and his help to help you overcome that. Maybe you're here today and you do look down your nose at everybody else and you do think you're better than most everybody else and you're full of pride. Maybe you need his power to reveal that and to humble you and so that you will learn to depend on him. Maybe you've got a lust issue and it is out of control and you need God's truth to renew your mind and to transform your heart. Maybe you're materialistic and you are in love with the things of the world. You're in love with what the world has to offer. And maybe today you need to just fall so in love with Jesus that you realize this world is not your home. <laughs> Heaven is your home. And whatever he shows you, it will always point you directly to your need for his help and your need for Jesus in your life. You see how risky a prayer this is? It's a risky prayer. It takes courage to pray it because when you pray it, he's going to show you some things about yourself that you may not want to see. He's going to show you some things uh, about yourself that maybe you're not real proud of, but never forget there is always grace. There is always grace and forgiveness. And at the end of the prayer, the fourth and last thing that we see David pray for here, David prays, lead me. Lead me. When, when you show me what I don't like about myself, and you show me what needs to be changed, and you show me that I can't do it, and only you can, then he prays in verse 24, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When you have the courage to pray a very risky prayer, search me, O oh God. 
you have permission to look into the depths of my deceitful heart and show me and test me. Reveal my anxious thoughts and my worries and my stress. and Show me the very things that I fear the most because it's those things that I'm trusting you the least with. See if there's anything in me that offends you. I'm going to stop pointing my finger at everybody else and I'm going to let you put your finger on some things in my life that I need to see. Because here's the deal. When you become a Christian, when you accept, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, what he does is really awesome. He takes care of those big issues. He takes care of the big things at salvation. When you become a new creation, he takes care of the big things. And then as you continue to walk with him on this journey that we've talked about, he starts to point out the little things. And can I just tell you what I've learned in my life, in my walk with Jesus, is that it's those little things that if we don't take care of them, can grow into some really, really big things. Some really, really big problems. And so we realize our continual need for Jesus' help every moment of every day and this power that can only come from him and this grace and this freedom that we have in that and through that. Listen, we have got to understand that any security that we will ever have in our life can only come from him. We can't create it. We can't make it. We can't be secure in anything in our lives without the security that comes through Jesus Christ. And so when you pray this prayer, it will show you your needs, right? And then you take that need directly to Jesus. And you take it to him and you let him meet that need to help you uh, change whatever it is that needs to be changed to let you conform you into his image. It's a risky prayer. Could be a big risk for some of you. It could be a game changer for some of you here today. But it's a prayer that I promise you can transform your life and it can change your life and it could change your family. It could change our church. It could change our community if we would all begin to pray this prayer. So what I want us to do today is just close together reciting this prayer from Psalm 139. Here's our prayer. Let's all pray it out loud together this morning. Would you join me together? Search me, O God. That's not good. We're going, uh, together means together. Right, one, two, three. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let me pray for you. God, my continued prayer is, is that we would allow your Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts and our lives and our families and our church. And I just want to thank you for what you're speaking into the lives of some people that are here today. Some uh, today who are willing to add this risky prayer, this powerful prayer to their daily prayers to you. 
And God, I pray that you would show us some things in our lives that you want to change, that you want to transform, that you're going to transform. I pray that you would lead some people that are here today out of bondage and lead them to the life that you have for them, the life that you have planned for them. And God, I just want to thank you today that, that, that there are some here today that are going to have the courage to ask for your help. And, and I pray that every single one of us would have the courage to pray, search us, God. And, and then trust you to reveal to us whatever it is that needs to be changed in our lives. And as you continue to pray this morning, with no one looking around, I'm just going to ask you to commit. I'm going to ask if you will commit to pray this prayer every day this week. Every single day this week. In fact, uh, that this prayer would become a regular part of your prayer life. And I'm going to ask you to commit to do this. And I want to be real clear. Don't raise your hand if you feel pressured. Because I'm not here to manipulate anyone. I just want to see God change people and change lives. Because if you will listen to what God shows you, he will give you the power through the Holy Spirit to do what needs to be done and to become who he wants you to become. So if you'd say, some already have their hands in the air, praise God. If you'd say, I'm willing to pray a risky prayer every day this week, I'm going to ask God to search my heart and then I'm going to listen to what he says to me and puts his finger on it. If that's you, would you just raise your hand high if you'd be willing to pray this prayer every single day. Lift your hands high. If you're willing to commit to this prayer and listen. Praise God. Dear God, I thank you for these that have made a commitment today to uh, uh, give you permission to do a search to do an inventory. And God, every single day that we wake up, I pray that it would be the first thing that comes to our minds is that I've got to put God first. I've got to get my heart right first before I begin this day. And we would begin it with you and allow you to search us. God, I pray that this would be the beginning of an intimate time of putting you first in our lives, that this would be the first thing that we start our day off with every single day, submitting our hearts to you, recognizing our hearts are impure. Our hearts, your word says, is, are, are deceitful. But knowing this, you are the only one that can change our hearts. You are the only one that can transform our lives. And so, God, we give you permission today to search our hearts. We're asking you to test us. We ask you to show us our anxious thoughts. God, un uncover our sins. Show us anything that is in our lives that's offensive. And God, and then we ask for your help to lead us. Lead us. And, and God, I just want to thank you today in advance for what you're going to do as we continue to follow, as we continue to, to seek you and you transform us into who and, and, and what you want us to be. Only you can do that. So thank you for loving us enough not to leave us where we were, but that you want to lead us to where you want us to be and into who you want us to be. Thank you for loving us enough to do that in our lives. 
We love you. And I pray that you would find us faithful and obedient. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.